This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you all, and welcome to Take the Black Live. I am Kayla Canaram, alongside Dan Selke, our WinterIsComing.net editor-in-chief. It's been a busy week for you. It has. It's been a fun week. What's happening? We are here to talk about all things Game of Thrones, all things Song of Ice and Fire, go through the news, uh, give our takes, our analysis, and interact with you guys. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Hey, David. Hey, Emma. Hey, Julie. Hey, Dan. Hey, Michael Douglas. The Michael Douglas? Michael Douglas. <laughs> Hey, Renee. Thanks for watching, everybody. Today we have a nice plate of news for you, because as always, things are happening in the Game of Thrones set, and it looks like things are starting to wind down. We have a question. The main question for you today is, how far is the Game of Thrones production willing to go to fool us into thinking that things are happening that aren't happening? Pretty far. You think? They're tricksy. They're tricksy over there. If you're flying characters in... To purposely throw us off. That's that's taking it far, yes. I think it's beautiful, though. Anyway, <laughs> l- let's talk about what's happening. So, by the way, hello from Orlando, Kathleen. You'll be in, you'll be in Florida pretty quick. I will. I'll be in Florida next week. You'll be gone next week. I will. We will, we will, we will soldier on without you somehow. <laughs> okay. In Florida. Anyway, um, the big news this week is still what's happening in Seville, Spain, mm-hmm. where they are filming scenes at the nearby ruins of Italica, which is the Dragon Pit, which is where they all met last season. And everyone's turning up in Seville, the city itself, mm-hmm. uh, to the point where it's gotten really conspicuous. Like, again, this is a cast of a TV show notorious for keeping things under wraps. And suddenly everyone's walking around Seville, taking pictures of themselves and signing things with Selfies fans. Selfies with fans. Which is cute. It's very cute. It's very nice. I'm jealous. Um, of the fans or of the stars? Of the fans. Gotcha. Getting pictures with the stars. <laughs> Me too. It'd be fun. That would be great for IG. Instagram. Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> Bump up those likes. But the point, exactly. But the point is, there are a lot of them in Seville. I'm going to read off a list of who's gathered in the same city, which means they could be in the same scene, but probably not because of reasons. Okay, we got Kit Harrington. We got Isaac Hempstead Wright, which is Brand, Sophie Turner, Sansa, Maisie Williams, Arya, Liam Cunningham, Davos Seaworth, Conleth Hill, Varys, Jacob Anderson, Grey Worm, Gemma Whelan, Yara Greyjoy, John Bradley, Sam Tarley. Lena Headey, who plays Cersei. Peter Dinklage, who plays Tyrion. Nikolai Coster Waldau, um, who plays uh, Jamie. <laughs> Gwendolyn Christie, who plays Brienne. Joe Dempsey, who plays Gendry. Vladimir Furtick, who plays the Night King. Lino Fascioli, who plays uh, Robin Aaron. 
Tom Walastraha, who plays Jack and Hagar, Faye Marsay, who plays the I've had practice. And finally, showrunners have been of Dan Weiss. All of these guys have been cited in Seville, milling around, being conspicuous. And the question, we have a picture of them, I think, like a lot of them attended a soccer match between Real Madrid CF and Seville FC. You a soccer fan, Kaylin? I enjoy it. I don't really keep up with it. Yeah, check them out. See, everybody gathered. Again, it's fun. Like a lot of them all stand in their type of Cast field trip. It is it's totally a cast field trip. But the, the, the question is, is, is this happening because they're all really here to film stuff? Look at Peter. I love him. Why? Because he looks, he's not smiling. <laughs> is he wearing a do-rag? Um, either that or a cap. I can't see from over here. And a, you know, or child-sized beetle shirt. shirt. I'm not really sure what's going on there, but I just love him. <laughs> is Peter Dickens wearing a do-rag? Weigh in. We'd love to hear your thoughts. <laughs> and hello from Mexico, says Jocelyn. Hello. Hello from Dairy City, says Catherine. I, I'm not sure what it is. But the point is, they're all there together <laughs> at a soccer match, being conspicuous, and the question is, are they really here to film something, or are some of them here to film something, and some of them are just here to, I don't know, attend a rap party as plants, just for oh, fun? Oh, a rap party. It's mm. possible. Who will, who's not there? Okay, that's a good question. Who is... Well, first, let's get through, before we get to that, um, the reason I think some of them are plants. Okay, yes. Okay, so some of the folks showing up here are weird. Like, <laughs> it makes no sense that they're near a filming location such as German actor Tom Wallace-Shaha, uh, who plays Jack, Jack and Hagar, Hagar, who, you know, is famously talks to the third person, is the faceless man, taught Arya. Last we saw him, Arya was leaving the House of Black and White in season six. We haven't seen him since. Even he's out there posting really obvious selfies with fans on the streets. There he is right there, looking good, leaning back. Not the best angle, but it's the puppet counts. <laughs> <laughs> that is a picture I would delete. I mean, but, you know, it, it's for the fans. It's for the fans. So as long as you're comfortable with yourself. But, yeah, he's out there and just, I, I don't see Jack and Hagar coming back for season eight. It makes little sense, much less. And the... typically when these stars are in town, mm -hmm. they're trying to lay low, yes? Oh, yeah. Like these, you know, th th this is the same production that um, tried to keep a secret that Kit Harrington was even in season six because he died at the end of the last one. And they True. were trying to keep it under wraps. And now everyone's just out there being all, you know, hippity-hoppity, lovey-dovey with the fans. I made up those words. But the point <laughs> is that they're out there being conspicuous. Could it be because it's the final season? They're kind of like, what the heck? It could. I mean, it could just, uh, you know, what are you going to do at this point? It feels orchestrated to me, Do it for me, the though. fans. I mean, they haven't been doing this the rest of the season. We've had to sneak uh, stray photos of them ducking around corners like usual. Right. And now they're out there. So I think some of them are here just to throw fans off. Jack and Hagar being one of them. It's really kind of a tip. Like, why do we even bother? <laughs> and Faye Marseille, who plays the waif, who is the girl Arya kills in season six. Even more of a giveaway, because she is kind of a minor character. I don't know why she'd be back. But Wait, she's back? She's in Seville. Remember her? But didn't she die? Oh, she definitely died. Arya peeled off her face, put it on a wall. <laughs> that confirms, And I then, guess. like, left. Uh, that's what I thought. So, why is she there? Exactly. <laughs> this is the, thing, the same show that would write fake scripts, right? I mean, that was In some case hearsay, they were photographed? Yes. Game of Thrones, the point is, it does a lot to obscure things. So, the fact that they're things. flying in characters to just mess with us... Although, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it really surprise me? It wouldn't surprise me at all, either. 
Although, I, I will say, one of the arguments against for the waif is that Arya, you know, she can swap faces now. Maybe she's just wearing the face, and they need the actor for that. Even more creepy. But I doubt it. But who knows? What do you guys think? Do you think we're being punked here? Is Game of Thrones pulling a fast one on us? I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised. And Renee, oh, Renee just says we might see everybody coming back from the last season. Why I'm not? Kind of, I'm with Renee. Because they're dead, Renee. Because they can't come back. Okay, but with that whole like scenario, mm-hmm. is it possible to come back from the dead? I mean, as we've seen, yeah. But they do it pretty sparingly. It's also possible for Arya to just wear whoever she wants. So, you know, even though the waif might not come back, Arya might wear her face so they would need the actress. It's a possibility. It okay. just feels a little much and forced <laughs> to me. I'm with Renee. I, I would smell love, a rat. I would love all the characters to come back for it one would be final kind of fun. reunion. Gracie Blue. Maybe they're doing some flashbacks. Sing. I don't know what the sing means, but or maybe there's some flashback scenes, which would be oh. fun. I doubt it, though, because, again, they never do flashbacks. They're very good about that. I really like that, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm watching Westworld and some other high-quality shows. I feel almost like feel like flashbacks are a bit, not a crutch, but uh, it's so easy to kind of do that, to explain yourself. I like the Game of Thrones keeps it straightforward. Yeah. It always has. It had one flashback its entire run, and let's keep that going. <laughs> But we're not sure. And maybe we can glean any more from people who are not there. Okay. Because so everybody's there. Just, if they're not there, does that mean they're just not going to film anything? Because there's people, poor people who aren't there too, such as Amelia Clark, who plays Daenerys, Nathalie Emmanuel, who plays Missandei, Ian Glenn, who plays Jorah, Jerome Flynn, who plays Bronn, Anton Lesser, who plays Kyburn, Half-Thor Hulius Bjornsson, who plays The Mountain. That was right? good. That was good. Was right through that one. I'm very proud of myself. Now I'm stopping, so it doesn't count. Rory McCann plays the Hound, Daniel Portman, who's Podrick, Christopher Hijvu, who plays uh, Tormund, Richard Dormer, who's Beric Dargan, Hannah Murray, who's Gilly, Carice Van Houten, who's Melisandre, Alfie Allen, who's Theon, and Pilo Asbeck, who is Euron. So plenty of folk aren't there. Are we to think that they don't make it this far into the season, or that they're just... Most, their characters die? Most of those characters are ones that are kind of always on the run. They're not really um, ever set at one place, I feel like. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> just no, no, an no. observation. I, yeah, I can hear you. I mean, the, the other thing is we don't know what they're filming here. I've talked about maybe it's the final scene of the series. It's possible. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just because a, char- a tr- actor isn't in the city doesn't mean they can't, their character can't survive and just, you know, be doing other things during that final part. Game of Thrones is a show where it follows all kinds of different threads all over the place. Or what if they're in town and just haven't been photographed? That's true. Gemma Whelan kept a very low profile. Because she, she had like her kids in town, didn't want to get swarmed. Okay. But we saw her anyway. Who knows who else we were missing? Anyway, that's where we stand on that. <laughs> what an intriguing. Uh, Kathleen thinks they're probably punking us. I agree. I would say. Uh, Deirdre thinks it might be for flashbacks of where Draken will help Arya in the end game. That'd be fun. I would like that. And Megan points out it's true. The wave's face is on the wall, so it could be used by a faceless man. It's possible. Uh, I just can't see them bringing the face of men into it this late in the game. But never say never on a show that involves dragons and zombies and et cetera and et cetera. And he kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies, so I wouldn't be surprised if he just showed back up one day to freak Arya out. It's possible. He was a kind of a benevolent gentleman in the end, though. Yeah. He, he, he helped Arya become the, the murderer she is today. He looked out for her at the beginning, but then in the middle, things got weird. Things that get weird, but I mean, it's... The, the life is weird sometimes. 
Anyway, one person we are a little more clear on, although still not entirely, <laughs> is uh, Sophie Turner, who plays Sansa Stark, has since the beginning. My girl. My girl, too. Gotta love Sophie Turner. Um, put out an enigmatic tweet that kind of reads, well, I'll just read it and I'll let you all decide. What do you make of this from Sophie Turner? Yesterday she posted this. Wow, my heart is broken and full all at once heart emoji. A beautiful, sad, bittersweet day. Now, I read that, Kayla, and I hear I finished filming Game of Thrones. Does that make sense to you? I hear I finished filming and they just killed me off. Do you really? Okay. Well, I want... I'm trying not to panic. <laughs> me too. We both love her. Mm-hmm. I want her to be one of the last ones standing. I'd like that too. And this tweet just really bothered me. I mean, I don't think we need to go that far. I think, you know, it's happened every season. Some people finish their filming earlier than others because, you know, they don't film things in order. There's no need to mm-hmm. do that. And uh, it looks like a lot of the rest of what they'll do is going to involve that big old King's Landing set, which will involve a lot of action stuff. Okay. Sansa not really someone for action scenes, so she wouldn't probably be needed for that. So she could check out a mite bit early if she films all of her stuff. Still makes me nervous, Dan. It, it makes me a little nervous, too. Also, that could be for about anything. Maybe she just was eating a sandwich, <laughs> and she dropped it, and she can't put it back together again, and it's sad and bittersweet and beautiful. It could happen. I don't know why I look at me incredulously. <laughs> um, what do you all think? Is she sad that filming is over? Or is she sad because they also killed her character off? I, ugh, I, I don't... That can't I, happen. I, I, I don't want to think they did. <sighs> um, Brittany thinks that I'm scared of what the results will be. Which, yeah. Steph Dapp. Why would Sansa have to die? It's the last season. They're all doing filming at, done filming at some point. I agree, Steph. Yep, agree. Good glass half full interpretation there. And Emma just says, lol. Hopefully it's something we did. LOL? Yeah. Oh. Is that how you say it? LOL? Oh, lol? Lol? I've never heard anyone say that. Never? No. I just always say LOL. Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe I'm behind the times. LOL is a Dan. LOL is a Dan. <laughs> I mean, the, okay. <laughs> and we'll leave that there. Hope, I, 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 I don't think it means anything, but it's open to your interpretation. Please live. Long and live Sophie. Long live Sansa Stark. Sansa Stark. I mean, Sophie Turner will be fine, for sure. Yeah. She's marrying Joe Jonas. She's okay. She's an X-Men, Dark Phoenix, whatever. Like, later this year, I think? That'll be good. Mm-hmm. Good for all of these people, really. <laughs> um, speaking of people who aren't at Seville, Amelia Clark, really quick, is not there, which is the most prominent absence, right? Has to be. I mean... Did you say Cersei in the first one? I did, yeah. She's oh, around. okay. Because at first she wasn't, but then she showed up. And she showed up. Okay. A lot of them didn't show, uh, weren't there at first, but then they, they got around there. Kit Harrington too, wasn't there at first. Amelia Clark isn't there, and really, even uh, going with the their fooling us hypothesis, the, it would have been hard to get her to come in because she is currently busy promoting maybe the one of the biggest movies of the summer, Solo, a Star Wars story. I say one of because, I mean, God, after that Avengers... Did you see the Avengers movie? No. It broke, like, every box office record imaginable. It's ridiculous. So I should see it? Oh, I don't, I don't know about that, if you like to. <laughs> the point is, she is also in a huge blockbuster, and she's touring the, you know, world promoting it. Um, I thought we'd take a really brief moment to look at the clothes she wore at the premieres in L.A. and then at the Cannes Film Festival. Ah, look at that. Good, right? Girlfriend knows how to work a red carpet. She really does. She was at the Met. We talked about that last week. She never has a bad 
red carpet look. The blonde hair suits it, I think. Yeah. And then at the con, she wore this purple getup, which apparently That took... is beautiful. Look at that whole... Sound? Hats off to her stylist. Very royal wedding-ish. Actually, I don't know if it's true or not. Is it? <laughs> uh, that's a little maybe over the top for a wedding, but oh. maybe not the royal wedding. It's true. It's a source so of this affair. one, where is she in the purple? Con. Okay. Like right now. Apparently that took 250 hours to make. I believe that. Do you really? Well, I can... That just looks like a bunch of tool. Tool is like that bunchy, silky It's like stuff, the... Right? Yeah. Kind of... It's like almost meshy-ish feeling. Uh, all my ballet tutus were made out of it. Oh, fun. Um, anything beaded, I feel like, would take that long, but... Who knows? <laughs> Beautiful. Real quick. Uh, Steph I'm not a Dapp. stylist. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but she looks great. Fashion designer. And she's not in Seville, so, but I, I don't think that means anything necessarily. Steph Dapp, by the way, says, you didn't see Infinity War. I don't trust if your opinion on anything ever. Ha ha. Whoa. LOL. But. <laughs> well, okay then. Um, yeah. I, you know me. I, I'm very open on the show about how oh, yeah. I, I, the sci-fi stuff. Oh, I'm yeah. It's kind of not like, your gig. not my thing. Sorry. For me. Anyway, speaking I know most of Game of Thrones fans do sci-fi like that stuff. stuff. Uh, yeah, it does. Tell. Well, again, we've always talked about the nice thing about Game of Thrones. That it sort of has a way of reaching across to pull people who aren't into this normally. It's one of the ways it's been a success, I think. Yes. Anyway, speaking about... It's on my list. It's on your list? To watch? Should I just say that? <laughs> sure. You I'll can watch live if you want. Okay. Um, speaking of not sci-fi fantasy stuff, in the uh, King's Landing set at Titanic Studios at Belfast... There's activity there, too. You know, all this happening in Seville, there's also, a, they're diverting our attention almost from other things that are going on. Basically, I put up a picture here of a before and after picture okay. of these two stout towers they built in front of the giant King's Landing set they built at Belfast before last Friday and then after last Friday. So it's before. Before. Look, how nice. Very nice. And then... <laughs> And, and then, it's gone. Bam. Look at that. How fun. I just can't imagine. I, I can't imagine shooting the show. Like how much it takes to put into just this. Just the organization. Yeah. That it takes. And, and it's the like manpower once you blow something up, like you have to be pretty sure because. Oh, yeah. You're the not really going to put that back together. Well, unless I mean, you have to. I mean, they, they built it all in like a period of like four months. They can build it again if they need to. But no, I imagine they shot whatever they needed in front of the finished towers and then. Blew them up, and now they'll shoot whatever they need to in front of the ruined ones. The point is, stuff's going down. I mean, they also lit a giant fire in front of a green screen. And uh, they're serious. The destruction of King's <laughs> Landing is imminent. And we think this is fire by dragon. I mean, look, what, what, what else could possibly do that? Yeah. Two towers, they're made of stone, they're fine. And then the next shot, they're ruined on the ground. It's got to be dragons. Dead or, or alive. I don't know. That is, <laughs> as ever, the question. Oh, there you go. Emma has not seen Infinity War. You and me both. You and me both, Emma. <laughs> and Steph says you're sweet when you lie to us. <laughs> LOL. Is that a new joke? Well, no. She, she LOL. said, ha No, like but putting true. the LOL, yeah. Um, yeah. I was honest. I said I don't really get into that, but. Yeah, fine. Be honest. I mean, I liked Wonder Woman. Oh, you saw Wonder Woman? Yeah. Cool. Anyway, definitely that's what's happening, and we'll just have to stay tuned for more. Good stuff, Dan. I think so. Uh, Kelly, any other closing thoughts before we bring in Mr. Josh Hill for A Song of Ice and Fire? 
the soccer Dan and Josh, rather. <laughs> I'll miss you guys next week. Have fun. Yes. Thank you very much, Caleb. Thanks, Dan. And now we're going to go on to the second part of our program, uh, A Song of Dan and Josh, the show where fans headed editor Josh Hill and I read through um, chapters of A Song of Ice and Fire and discuss them, analyze them, see what we can pull out. Oh, yeah. I've read the books multiple times. Josh Hill's <laughs> never read the books. It's a fun dynamic. It is. Josh Hill, it is your birthday today. It is my birthday today. Hello, everybody. Good to be here again. So made it another year. So. Happy birthday. <laughs> you did. We, we didn't think you would. Somehow you did. <laughs> I have to live now because I need to find out where this book goes. That's You've good got point. me invested. And so. if, then that could take you into like your 90s. Well, yeah, so. right. So. <laughs> All right. Um, let's get right into it, Josh. Today we read a couple of chapters. I, I, I yeah. read like two pages of notes here. I may have gone overboard. Um, we got Sansa 3 and Eddard 12. Ned, yep. Now, I wrote so much for the Sansa chapter, I think, <laughs> just because it's such a different flavor yeah. of chapter. By the way, we are reading, we're still on A Game of Thrones, the first book in the series. We're reading yep. chapter by chapter. So if you don't watch us come back in three years, we'll be on like Dance with Dragons. <laughs> um, I think the reason, and you're getting happy birthday wishes from Karen, from Gracie, from Brittany, oh, from Ashley. Thanks, Karen, Gracie. Oh, from Emma. Everyone is wishing you a happy birthday. All right. Renee. <laughs> anyway, the reason I, I think I, I like, or I'm so interested in the Sansa chapters mm-hmm. is because they feel so different than a lot of the other chapters to me. Yeah. Just because <laughs> I, I kind of wrote about it here. Like, a lot of the characters, they're older, and they're just more serious-minded. Like, mm-hmm. Ned's chapters are all about, um, you know, the gravity of the situation and yeah. having to make these hard decisions. Catelyn's are very much the same. Even Tyrion, who's older, is still in these life and death situations, capturing, you know, being captured by Catelyn, mm-hmm. trial by combat, all this stuff. And then you get a Sansa chapter, and like her thoughts are just, Loras is so handsome. Yeah. Why, why isn't Ned <laughs> sending him to go do it? I stand Loras so hard. Yeah. I'm just going to read this one uh, excerpt because it's such, it's such a great little tween age train of thought, I think. Yeah. She's talking about how she doesn't like how Ned sent Beric Dondarrion to bring the mountain to justice instead of Sir Loras. Sir Gregor, the mountain, was the monster, and Sir Loras, the true hero, who would slay him. He even looked a true hero, so slim and beautiful, with golden roses about his slender waist and his rich brown hair tumbling down into his eyes. Beric Dondarrion was handsome enough, but he was awfully old, almost 22. The Knight of Flowers would have been much better. So what do you yeah. think of that? Do you enjoy kind of the, the tone shift we get in these Sansa <laughs> chapters? It was interesting, that's for sure. Um, but that we, we come to expect that a little bit because the other Sansa chapter that we had, because this is only Sansa 3. Yeah, So the yeah, other one was the, the infamous, the chopping off of the horse's head and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so and that was, we, we kind of had the same thoughts for that chapter too, or it was almost, it felt removed from the way that the other chapters are moving a little bit, just because it was from Sansa's perspective. And it was from this perspective of someone who is trying to live this high life and is trying mm-hmm. to fit in and it, at her heart is a teenage girl. So it's yeah, not... Teenage girl. I think it's like teenage. 13, I guess a teenager. Is he 12? I forget. Somewhere around there. But it's very, you know do get a little bit of a Degrassi feel, I guess, with a little bit of it. So, which I think is intended because you can't have all of these chapters be these grim, dark adult chapters when you have a tweenage girl or however (laughs) we want to go here inside of here. And so, and it also helps give us another perspective because 
juxtaposed against all of these other big issues in these mm-hmm. chapters, like uh, Tyrion and Braun and the, the fighting and the champion and, and Ned and all this kind of stuff. The biggest issue in this is she's bickering with Arya for most of the chapter. So that to me is kind of like boils it down to these big, real problems that mm-hmm. are happening without Westeros. And then we have Sansa's chapter where it's like, why is Loras is too attractive to not go out and <laughs> to not get have this. the important mission? Like that's what you base your decisions on. Yeah, how hot he is, and then uh, arguing with Arya. But then in all of it, it comes out of this this revelation for Ned about Joffrey. Yeah, it so does it actually go somewhere. Yeah. So it's not just a stupid uh, George R. R. Martin making some commentary on something. It actually advances the plot. So I actually I like that. Yeah, I, I'd almost forgotten that. I don't like not even I stopped expecting it to to go somewhere plot wise <laughs> until the very end. Yeah, when Arya and Sansa is arguing with Arya back and forth. Yeah, and she they, she basically they get they talking about how little Joffrey looks like um mm-hmm. looks like Robert, yeah. which gives Ned the light bulb of oh they don't look alike mm-hmm. incest. So he leads into the Cersei Demi incest thing. Yeah, which is clever. Yeah, although it's it's again it kind of shows that Sansa at least is. I mean, again, it goes completely over she, over her head. She has yeah. no idea that she was. This yeah, is she was coming at it from the perspective of like he's different. He's not the same. He's not some old fat drunk. And I'm just gonna Ned read like, uh, her yeah. bit about Joffrey too, because it comes into our discussion. I think this is Sansa Stark about Joffrey Baratheon. <laughs> I love him, father. I truly, truly do. Two truly. Um, I love him as much as Queen Nerys loved Prince Aemon the Dragonite, as much as Jonquil loved Sir Florian. I want to be his queen and have his babies. So she's she's just she's she's tweening out so hard over this cute boy, who everyone else has figured out is a, is a kind of a jackass at mm-hmm. this point. And it, it's and again, it's really great that she's off on her own world, but yep. what she's saying is kind of important to the wider plot yeah. that, we're, that we're exploring here. Yeah, she's got the old love goggles on. So, but yeah, that was you know I, I liked how she was coming at it from that perspective. And Ned, it kind of tied it all back because this chapter was, you know how the the one Catelyn chapter, half of it was the fever dream and then she comes mm-hmm. out of it. This was kind of a little bit like that, where it's like oh, most of the chapter is Sansa and Arya and this kind of world removed from the problems that we've had to deal like with. Like a kid world. Yeah. Like they're not making these decisions. And then right at the end, it sneaks back into, okay, this all ties mm-hmm. back into the real world problem. So, and things, you know, quote unquote, hit the fan. So... Uh, I, yeah, Ned putting it all together at the end. And then we jump right into the Ned chapter, which I liked yeah. that too. Yeah, we'll get to that one second. By the way, Karen says, uh, what do we think of how Sansa dreams of Lady, which she does? All the Stark oh, children yeah. dream of the wolves. They are all warped, which is true. Occasionally Sansa will have, I'm not sure she had it much. Flashes of, uh, mm-hmm. she mentions her wolf that died. Yeah. It's important to her. All the Stark children are very tied to their dire wolves. Mm-hmm. Let me get into that at a bit of a later date and the metaphysical implications. <laughs> I want to ask you one more question about Sansa before we move on. Um, yeah. So a lot of fans don't really like her in this uh, part of, of her series, at least. Mm-hmm. And some kind of carry that over. And it's based on just her being a lot. Like, you know, we just yeah. read her her love of Joffrey. Mm-hmm. The fact that she just, she doesn't, she, she, she brings like it all back to stories. She's like a child raised on Disney Channel original movies mm-hmm. who like is shocked when life doesn't measure up to them. <laughs> yeah. Like, she has this bit where she says, like, oh, in the stories, the Night's Watch men were all grand, but this guy had a crook-backed and hideous. Yeah. And like, he, 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 he wanted to have lice. Lice, Josh, lice. <laughs> it's disgusting. Um, and, you know, she, she yells that she hates Arya when mm-hmm. she's in her, uh, in private, and she, 
you know, kind of lords it over. Mm-hmm. Like, you won't dare when I'm married to Joffrey. You'll have to call me your grace. Like, kind of acting very haughty. Yeah. And again, the Joffrey stuff. So I guess my question to you is, d- d- does Sansa deserve antipathy for acting a bit, a bit bratty at this point? Or sh- should we look at her and just say, look, teenagers gonna teenage. I looked at it as teenagers just gonna teenage. I do too. So I can't, you can't really hold it against her. And if anything, right. it helps her character arc as we get further on into the story where it's like, now we're at a point in the show where she's stepping up and could possibly be somebody that we're talking about mm-hmm. sitting on the Iron Throne, perhaps, if oh, totally. everybody else gets killed off. Um, and she's definitely in charge-ish in the North at the moment, so on the show. And that's a stark contrast to this. Totally which is. happened on the show. And so I really like that that's, that's her arc, where she starts as this kind of, you know, fresh out of college, wide-eyed look, and then she get, gets real hardened by the world of Westeros. <laughs> Dirge says that the word we're looking for is high maintenance. High maintenance. Which, sure, I'll, I'll accept it. All right. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah. That it, it makes for a great arc. She yeah. does start out naive. She mm-hmm. does start out a little bit clueless. Or just Her priorities are very different than other people's. Mm-hmm. And it shifts, and a lot of that's through suffering. Like yeah. that, that's how Martin changes a lot of his characters. Mm-hmm. Theon changes completely, Sansa changes completely, and it's all because they go through a lot. Yeah. Um, they kind of foreshadow that here when she's talking about, oh, it was a song come to life, dancing in the wind, it's all beautiful, beautiful. And Littlefinger says, uh, life is not a song, sweetling. You may learn that one day to your sorrow, which she completely, totally does. Yeah, big time. But it's a journey, and it's a fun journey to go on. And I, I really do like what mm-hmm. these early Sansa chapters kind of bring in terms of a tonal shift. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, reading a book, it's, it's like listening to a song. It's, there's, like, trials and valleys. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, hard, hard parts and soft parts. Yep. Got to have a little bit of a, a flow and a yeah. rhythm to it. I think the Sansa chapters, chapters really give it that rhythm. Yeah. All right. I think I'm good. Anything else you want to say about Sansa? Before no. Before we move on to the night star? a good chapter. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So... Eddard 12, an important chapter. Yep. What happens in this one? This is where things get real for, for Ned. I said it was a chapter of payoffs because Ooh, it kind totally of, a chapter of payoffs. everything starts, every, all the loose ends start getting tied up. Essentially, the biggest part, the biggest thing that happened here with me, and I think maybe because I forgot about this on the show, but it mm-hmm. definitely stuck in the book, is his meeting with Cersei, yeah. where he basically, again, plays the good guy. He does, he does the noble thing and is like, look, I know about all the incest with mm-hmm. your brother. I know about the love childs, the children, the evidence of all of this, and you have to skip town because Robert's going to kill you. It's <laughs> yeah. not, I've got you. I'm going to turn you into Robert. Yeah, it's he's skip town. Nice guy. Yeah, he's skip town. He's going to kill you, and I don't want that to happen. And she turns around and is clearly the wolf in this situation. Whereas Ned is more has you know we talked about Sansa the chapter earlier, mm-hmm. kind of having this glossy eyed view of the world and this romanticized version of how life should be. That very much comes from Ned because he has this romanticized good, version. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah, he's got this romanticized version of. I'm going to go off and be the hero, which we've seen time and time again here. And this mm-hmm. is like the last time it's, and this is the last draw. Like it's not going to work. He's finally run into somebody that is seeing him as almost a fool. And it's like, I'm going to take complete advantage of this situation now mm-hmm. because Cersei knows that she holds all of the cards. Cause Ned basically by saying, get out of town was like, I'm giving myself up to you. He didn't think that's what was happening, but yeah, now Cersei's saying, like, I know your secret. Yep. Like I know it. You're I'm letting you know. I'm not sure he thinks of Cersei as someone who is going to be able to really fight back. No. Even though, you know, she has she has people in her corner. Yeah. She has people she can marshal. Oh, for sure. I mean, Robert ends up dying, which, mm-hmm. which, which 
is a big part of it. But even if he hadn't, like Cersei has his ear. She has people like Tywin on his side, yep. Jamie, Tyrion. She can fight back. And I think he just assumes if I tell you that, that you need to get out because we're going we're gonna to be after you, yeah. she'll do it. And she doesn't. She, she mm-hmm. puts Joffrey on the throne and, and as it ends in jail and he ends up dead. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think you're right. This is, this is kind of the, him playing the good guy yep. and getting punished for it. It's his, this is his big, big mistake, I think, is telling mm-hmm. Cersei ahead of time. Yeah, and she was she also too kind of gave it to him in a way where she's like, "You have the power right now. Like, she did. what are she you did doing? You, you, if you want to play the Game of Thrones, you're gonna have to be." Yeah, she, 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 she said the she, title. Everybody she said it. I know. I had that moment where it's like you know you watch a movie and it's like, "Ooh, they just said the title." Yeah, or like you're watching a James Bond movie and it's like, "No, I have to die another day," and I'm like, "Ooh, that's the title." Like that's so that was kind of that was kind of fun, but yeah, it was the Cersei, the Cersei and, and Ned moment. It was very substantial, and it was again punctuating that Ned trying to be the good guy actually makes him the bad guy because nothing's going to get done, Ooh. and now Cersei's in power. Like nice. everything or that happens, shortly, or yeah. she will be shortly. But everything that happens after this is, you know, Ned's not kind of there nice to get in the way. So, and that includes like what happens to Sansa and Arya in a way, even yeah. though again he has he has the best of intentions. Yeah, which which is again the the trick of the book mm-hmm. that the character who does everything right kind of does it wrong by doing it right. It's yeah. a weird thing. Although again, you can still like him, but like like um, Durjni says, poor Ned never existed a more noble character in literature history. I don't know about that, but he's certainly a very very noble mm-hmm. guy. But the yeah. point is, in this world, nobility doesn't really get you everywhere. Nice guy finishes with his head off. So. There you go. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so about the payoffs. Mm-hmm. So uh, 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 it's one of the things I like about it. Mm-hmm. Think things do pay off here. Yeah. Like you know, we've been wondering for a while. Uh, why was John Aaron reading that big book of uh, genealogy that Ned was reading? The one about like you yep. know the the noble the nobility and their kids. Yep. Why was he visiting all the bastards? Yep. Um, it all leads to this. The big secret is the big noir Cersei reveal. and Jamie are doing it, mm-hmm. and all the kids are actually theirs, not Robert's. Yeah. But the the the, the little fun irony in there is the actual mystery of who killed John Aaron. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't it. No. Like, Littlefinger killed John Aaron. And even though Ned thinks that this is, like, proof, oh, so Cersei or Jamie, so John Aaron must have figured the incest thing out, mm-hmm. and they must have killed him. He's wrong. Yeah. Like, he, he's still wrong, mm-hmm. even now. And no one's bringing... The only person who brings Littlefinger into it at all so far is Tyrion, which is... It, it's cool that we get all these payoffs, but they're not... It's like they're they're not the payoffs we were looking for. No, or expecting. Like it's it's hard to pay off a MacGuffin. So yeah, which is essentially what this was. Uh, and it was almost like you know everybody had these theories going into the Last Jedi, and none of them paid Ooh, off. So everybody's upset. Cool. It's like this whole thing was Ned's The Last Jedi, and he was like trying to figure it out. And it <laughs> turns out it's really there's all these revelations that are going to push the story forward, but it's mm-hmm. just nothing like what we thought it was, and it's even more shocking and weird than we could have imagined. It, it, it kind of is. It's like it's yeah. even better yeah. than like what we got, like a royal incest yeah. um, conspiracy. <laughs> the kids are all inbred and crazy. That's awesome. And it was such like a noir, because we've talked about how this is like a, mm-hmm. Ned's is like chapters are like an old noir film or a noir a bit. pulpy book. It's kind of Chinatown here. Yeah, the, it was like Chinatown. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow, this is, you know, everything's paying off. You're the, the detectives finding everything out right at the last moment, and it's a little too late for things. So, but yeah, it was, I, I enjoyed this chapter a lot for yeah, what it was. It was, it was meaty Very and much. Uh, tense. Last question I have for you about this chapter is mm-hmm. uh, about Cersei herself. Yeah. So Cersei, I, I, 
I think you can call her a villain. I mean, she's certainly done villainous things. Yes. Um, I, I do think she exists in that kind of middle. Like she, she, she's not a Joffrey or a Ramsay, where it's no. There's nothing sympathetic about her at all. She mm-hmm. loves her kids. We know that. And um, my question for you is, do you consider her a villain here? Because she's done bad things. And l- 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 let's try to leave out she will blow up a church <laughs> yeah. later in the, in the, in the series. Yeah. She hasn't, ha- hasn't done that up yet. Up to this point. Yeah. So she's deceived the king, Yep. obviously, told mm-hmm. him, hey, these kids are yours. They're yeah. not. Cheated on him with her brother uh, for years. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she she kind of gives her reasons to Ned, yeah. and, and and I get as my question is, are they okay reasons? Like she says truthfully, you know, he's beaten me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know he cheats on her all the time. Mm-hmm. Like he has tons of bastards around. Um, and she j- tells a story about their marriage when they got married. You know, mm-hmm. Robert never loved Cersei. He mm-hmm. like the first night, their first night together, he. Whisper the name of Ned's sister, yeah. his true love, and she's like, "Oh, great! Well, it's gonna be a fun ass <laughs> marriage." Yeah. So, do you think? Do, do you have any sympathy for Cersei's situation? Empathy, a little bit, yeah, there you because go, yeah. it's like she. You can't justify the ends to the means here, but it's like to a point you can understand what Cersei, how Cersei was approaching this, mm-hmm. because she was the battered housewife. She was this person who was in a loveless relationship in an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. So you can see where she was coming from with where her actions went. Right. Um, The thing with George R. R. Martin did was take it to the extreme. So you are kind of in that gray area where it's, she's not an anti-hero, but she's also not a villain. So it's like whatever exists between those two planes. Make a new word for it. Is, yeah, well, it's his job. He wrote the book. (laughs) He's a writer. (laughs) He's expecting him to do that. Um, Yeah, so empathy more than sympathy, I think, for for Cersei. I take your meaning. I like that. All right. Well, these were some juicy chapters, some good stuff. And I think the uh, import will keep going. The next chapter is a big one, too. The next Daenerys chapter, I think we'll just read that one for next week because it's okay. pretty important. And then we'll uh, pick up from there. Have any All other right. thoughts, Josh? No. On this, was, the, the, the day of your birth? I'm happy I could spend my birthday with uh, all of you and with you, Dan, reading Game of Thrones. It was me too. There you and go. And <laughs> we'll spend more time with Josh, more time uh, talking about Game of Thrones news, song about some fire analysis. Next week, Wednesday at 4 p.m. here on the Winning Spring Facebook page. Thanks, everybody, for watching, and we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Just before the Civil War, a grassroots movement rose up against slavery. Smithsonian curator John Grinspan tells the riveting tale in Wide Awake, the forgotten force that elected Lincoln and spurred the Civil War. Available now wherever books are sold. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.